Um, good to see each and every one of you. Can you guys give me a smile? All right. Very good. Very good. Smiles are good. Smiles are good. Um, so I'm excited about today's message, um, Redemption Day. But before we get into today's message, we are going to uh, have a little afterglow enjoyment of last week's celebration um, when uh, four precious souls gave their lives to the Lord through baptism. So I would like to um, invite uh, Sister Sarah, Sister Luna, uh, Brother Sumpi, and uh, Sister Nuam to come up here, please. And also Sister Bernardo uh, is going to be giving, her, give, giving them some gifts um, and welcome them into our church family. You can come closer. God bless you, Sumpi. Sumpi, you can stay over here. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Amen. So praise God, our church family has grown, amen, and continues to grow. Um, we do want to vote them officially into church membership. Um, so is there a motion from a church member? Wonderful. Is there a second? All right. Um, is anybody opposed? <laughs> all right. Very good. So all those in favor, can we say Aye. Amen. I'm, I'm sorry. Now I say opposed. Anybody opposed? All right. Very good. Uh, nobody's opposed to the, to the growing of God's family. So praise be to God and welcome to our precious young people, um, to our church family. Amen? Amen. That's, that's a special blessing. It's a special blessing. We want them to feel welcomed um, into the church family as well. Very good. Are you guys ready? You guys are not sleepy, right? Better not be. Um, but... Um, we are going to enjoy uh, a feast from God's Word because God's Word is uh, very nutritious food indeed. All right, very good. Be before actually I pray, I want to just thank and appreciate uh, the love that all of you have shown towards me and my family, and uh, especially uh, since I was ordained a few weeks ago as a minister. Um, many, many of you have uh, expressed heartfelt appreciation uh, to me and my family um, through cards or through words, texts, and all that. And we, we just want to say, I want to say on behalf of me and my family that um, all that love is highly encouraging. It's, it's wonderful. And I want to thank you for that love that you guys show towards uh, me and my family. And we love you too. Okay, we love you too. So thank you for that. You guys are awesome. Um, anyway, so let's, let's get our Bibles out because we will be using them today. Uh, but let us pray as we get into our message entitled Redemption Day. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, happy Sabbath. 
Your people have gathered here to worship you on your assigned, separated, holy day of worship, the Sabbath day. And Father, we just pray for your blessing to be with us as, as we uh, listen to your word, Lord. I pray for your blessing to me as a, as a preacher today, that you may enable me, that you may help me to be a mouthpiece for you. I pray that you may help each and every one of us to be able to listen to your word. Give us the wisdom and the power to apply it to our lives as well. So, Father, for these blessings and for so many more, we thank you. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen, Amen church family. All right. Redemption Day. Redemption Day. Now, before we get into Redemption Day, I want to mention to you another day that you may know. I'm going to throw a date out here for you. July 4th, 1776. Anybody knows what happened then? Anybody knows? Okay, okay, okay. Anybody on this side knows? All right, all right. Okay, good. Um, the Declaration of Independence was signed um, on that day. It was the first formal statement by a nation's people asserting their right to choose their own government. This Declaration of Independence was adopted by the Continental Congress in what city? Philadelphia. Very good. On July 4th, 1776. You see, tensions between the states, mostly back then, right, on the East Coast here in America, which were technically colonies of Great Britain, um, tensions were an, at an all-time high with the King of Great Britain, King George III, um, most of the Americans basically hated his guts, and they wanted nothing to do with him. And he, he was kind of a nasty guy, too. So tensions were really, really high, and people were fed up. And it became apparent that things needed to change. In fact, fighting, actual fighting, had broke, broken out between the, 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 the people, in the, the, the militias in the, in the colonies and the, the British army. And the representatives of the states felt that the time had come to break away officially and to create an, a new and an independent nation called the United States of America. This is why this country has monuments remembering the events of that day. This is why we study that date and the events surrounding that date in history classes from elementary to high school and in university. This is why when you visit the cities of Washington, D.C. or Philadelphia, you'll have monuments and memorials all over um, of, uh, toward, to honor the men who were instrumental in the events of, of that time and in the birth of this nation. It's an important date. It's Independence Day. And friends, in a similar way, as the 4th of July marks the beginning, the birth of this amazing nation, and serves as a yearly reminder of the origins and purpose of this nation, in a similar way, God, when he created this beautiful and unique gem of a world, guess what he did? He set up a monument. He set up a memorial to that creation. So we, do not, so we do not forget. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, I invite you to um, join me there in your Bibles. 
Let's, uh, let's open up our Bibles. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and did what? Sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So God sets up a great monument in time of his amazing work of creation. Now notice, please, friends, don't miss this. Creation was complete. It was finished on day six. And God did not have to, um, we have no mention of some cosmic hammer and some divine nails or some divine table saw that God used to create. He simply used his word to create, and his word was enough. His word was powerful enough to create. And what do you say, church family? I say amen, that we serve a God whose word is powerful. In fact, Psalms 33, verses 6 and 9 tells us, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9 tells us, For he spoke. And it was, he spoke and it was done. That's right. He commanded and it stood fast. Now in honor of this great creation, God makes this monument in time, this holy day, holy time. The Bible simply calls it the Sabbath day. In Hebrew, Shabbat, which is the original word for Sabbath, basically means to cease to bring to a stop. So God blesses the day and he sanctifies it. My question to you this morning is, which day does God choose to sanctify and to bless? Which one of the seven? Obviously, the answer is the seventh day. Are you with me so far? Now, I want to pose to you a follow-up question. Why didn't God choose the third day? Why not the fifth day? Why not the sixth day? But why the seventh day? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. As one studies the Bible, it becomes obviously apparent that God chose the number seven as a symbol a clear symbol and illustration of his perfect power and ability to save and to redeem human beings. Now, listen up. I'm going to prove this to you by giving, just, giving you just a sample, just a few, sample, uh, a few examples from the Bible. There's a whole bunch. And I'm not even going to go into the book of Revelation that has a whole series of sevens, okay? Joshua chapter 6. The people of God were in the plains of Jericho, and the Lord told Joshua that he had delivered the city into their hands. But he also told Joshua how that was to happen. And he told Joshua that the people were to march around the city for seven days. Six days, for, for the first six days, they were to march around it once. But on the seventh day, they were to march around the city Seven times, and they were accompanied by seven priests carrying seven horns 
seven trumpets of ram's horns. And on that seventh turn, on the seventh day, they were to blow the trumpets and the people were to shout. And God said the walls would come tumbling down. And guess what happened? Exactly that. In that context, number seven tells us that God is able to fulfill his word, to give us the inheritance that he has promised to us. In Kings chapter 18, verse 43, after the showdown on Mount Carmel and God's wonderful manifestation of his power through fire. You guys remember that, that count, right? You guys remember that? Fire came down in response to Elijah's prayer. And fire just came down in a marvelous way in the presence of all the people, in the presence of King Ahab, and in the presence of all the prophets of Baal. After that, Elijah tells King Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. And it had not rained for three and a half years, according to the word of the Lord through the prophet. Ahab obeyed, and it had not rained yet. And Elijah sent his servant to go and to look towards the sea and to see if he saw a cloud that was announcing rain. The servant went. He didn't see anything. Elijah said, go again. And the servant went again. He didn't see anything. Elijah said, go back again and again and again. And on the seventh time, friends, the servant saw a little cloud that announced the coming downpour. You see, God waited until the seventh time for his promise of rain to be fulfilled in a marvelous way. In 1 Kings 19, 14, we find Elijah, he was a little bit discouraged. And he told God, I alone am left in Israel. Basically meaning the, the, the apostasy was so widespread that he was the only one left faithful to God in Israel. But what did God tell him in verse number 18? God told him, I have reserved, how many? 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal. The number seven here represented God's ability to keep his willing servants faithful even in the midst of apostasy. In Daniel chapter 3, we find the example, the amazing story of the three Hebrew youths, those exiles from Judah. They were there in the plain of Dura before the golden image set up by the most powerful king in all the world back then. What was his name? Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And he said all of them were to bow down to his image. And if they did not, there was a nice little furnace where, they were, where he was planning to barbecue them to death if they did not obey. Well, everybody bowed down when the music played, friends. Everybody bowed down except three. Everybody bowed down to mighty Babylon except three, those three young men who chose to stand tall before the Almighty in heaven. And guess what? They were brought before the king. You guys know the story. Their name was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They were brought before the king. The king could not convince them. He was angry. He was offended at their audacity to disobey him. So he commanded that furnace to be heated up how many times more? You guys know the story? Seven times more than usual. God had allowed that trial upon his servants to reach the perfect temperature, the perfect heat. 
And then God was ready to be glorified. Perhaps God is allowing some trials in our lives, and he's, he's waiting for that perfect heat of that trial in our lives for him to be glorified when we trust in him. Amen? And we know what happened. Nothing happened to them, nothing bad. They didn't even smell like smoke. But actually, the strong soldiers who put them in, they actually died because it was so, so hot. So in this case, number seven tells us that God is able. And not, on, not only that, he is faithful to those who put his trust, to put their trust in him. You guys got the point, I think, but I'm going to give you a couple more. A couple more. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Let's read that one. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Let's open our Bibles there. To Deuteronomy chapter 15. We're studying the significance of sevens in the Bible because it speaks directly to the significance of the Sabbath day, or as I'm calling it today, Redemption Day, friends. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 1 to 2. Deuteronomy 15, verses 1 to 2. The Bible says, And at the end of every, how many years? Seven years, you shall grant a what? A release of debts. And this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother because it is called the Lord's release. Every seventh year, the lender absorbed the losses of what was not paid back to him. Are you with me? And this number seven screams out at us of redemption. How there was one, his name is Jesus, the creator actually, and he absorbed our debts upon himself. He absorbed that loss and he paid for our debts and he released us from our debts. Amen? Right here, let's jump to verse 12 and 15. Many times, slavery was a reality in ancient times because of hardship and because of, you know, for example, if you couldn't pay your debts, you were actually forced into slavery. Um, and, and there was other situations. But it says here in verse 12, if your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, I'm in verse 12, friends, is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year, you shall let him go free from you. But check this out. Verse 13. And when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away. How? Empty-handed. You shall supply him. How? Liberally. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Liberally from your flock from your threshing floor, and from your winepress, from what the Lord God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. You shall remember, don't miss this now. So all this was a, a, an illustration, a, a, a tool to help them remember. Verse 15, you shall remember what? That you were a slave in the land of? You guys following me? The land of where? Land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. In this context, number seven 
screams out to us, freedom and liberty. So you can say, number seven, freedom. I'm free. God has freed me from my chains, from my bondage. And now going to Leviticus 25, this will be the last example I show you of these sevens. Uh, Leviticus 25, that was our scripture reading, which was so ably read. Verses 1 through 4 there in Leviticus chapter 25 talked to us about how the Lord commanded that the land was to rest every seven years from the constant agricultural burden. Every seven years, friends, the land was to remain fallow, unworked. And it goes on to tell us that everyone was to have free access to that food. Experts tell us that this break or rest that the land would enjoy would actually rejuvenate and restore the productivity of that land. In this context, number seven points to us, God is our restorer, and he will provide for us in our needs, friends. The chapter continues to go on and to say that after seven cycles of seven years, it tells us there, um, in other words, right, the 49th year, on the day of atonement, which was the 10th day of the seventh month, the trumpet will sound across the whole land. And the next year was declared as the great year of jubilee, friends. And liberty will be proclaimed in all the land. In this year of jubilee, if you were forced to sell your land because you fell on hard times, it would be restored to you because that land was promised to you by the Lord. God fulfilling his promises. Number seven, being a symbol of that. If you were due, if, if, if you, due to unforeseen financial hardship, ran out of money and starvation was a threat to you, you could hire yourself out as a hired servant, which was just kind of like a step up, a little step up from being a slave. And guess what? Once Jubilee year came, the seven of sevens, you were free. You were free, friends. In this context, in this repetition of sevens, it tells us in no uncertain terms that God, Israel God, Israel's gods, he restores. He restores. It is this God, the creator God, that restores your vitality, my, vital my vitality. It is he that lifts the burdens off of our shoulders. And I praise the Lord for that. So these number sevens are profiles, are pictures of God. They are, they are bullet points in God's resume that scream at us that God, he is qualified for the job as Savior and Lord of our lives. Amen? God is qualified. He's got it. He is able. He has the resources to be our Savior, to be our Lord. And the number seven screams that out to us. Now, I wonder if all of us here today have surrendered our lives to this God who is qualified to be our Lord and Savior. Have we given him control of our lives or are we still in control of our own lives? Now, if that wasn't enough, 
God does more, way more for us. Not only does he include in sacred history these accounts of his power and glory through the illustration or object lesson of number seven, he goes the next step. He gives us a weekly reminder of his power and ability to save us. And guess which day he put that reminder on? Oh, you guessed it. No surprise there. The seventh day, the seventh day, as soon as God finished creation, he was very quick, very intentional to sanctify this day, to bless it this day, to separate this day, to be a monument, to remind his people how big he was, how able he was, how faithful he was and continues to be. Amen? It is for this reason, friends, that the Sabbath, and I want you to listen to me, don't miss this, the Sabbath is not just a day of physical rest from the toils of everyday labor. The Sabbath is not just a day off from work or from school. It is a complete, comprehensive rest, mind, body, and spirit. It is soul rest. It is a perfect abiding in God's faithfulness and his work of redemption. It is redemption day. That is what the author of Hebrews is pointing at. In Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to ask you to join me there in a second. In Hebrews chapter 4, um, Paul writes um, about this Sabbath rest. He wasn't speaking only about the physical ceasing of work on the Sabbath, for his audience was already Jewish, and they already were physically keeping the Sabbath. He was speaking about faith in connection with the Sabbath. And he is speaking here, we're going to see in a minute, of God's people, of how they failed in Joshua's time to trust God. And this failure kept them from entering into God's rest, the, God, the rest that he wanted to give them. And notice how he ties that rest into the, he ties it to the Sabbath rest. Join me there in Hebrews chapter 4. We're not going to read all of it, and it's a, it's a very rich portion of Scripture here, but I'm just, just going to look at it briefly. Let's actually start in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16. We're just going to read a few verses here. Hebrews 3, 16, the Bible says, For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in. Why? Why not? Because of unbelief. And he continues to say there in verse 1 of 4, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. It's talking about the, the rest. 
For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, nor, I'm sorry, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do what? Do enter into that rest. Do you catch it? So those who did not believe did not enter into the rest. But those who believed God's promises, who believed God's faithfulness, they do enter into God's rest. Verse 3. I'm sorry, I read verse 3. Continuing on. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now here's the link to the Sabbath commandment, the weekly Sabbath rest. Verse 4. For he has spoken in a certain day of the seventh day in this way and God rested on the seventh day from all his works and then he goes on but I'm going to just keep going to jump here um, to verse number uh, 9 and 10 it says there remains therefore a rest for the people of God for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his, there's a lot more that we can say here. But the point that I see from this scripture is that we are to rest in God's power as in God's power as creator. He is able. He is able. Okay? And when we keep the Sabbath, we demonstrate that we believe in God's keeping power, in God's saving power. That I want to suggest to you is what the Sabbath is all about. It's not just a day off. It's a day in which we can express our faith in God, that he is able, that he is faithful. Are you with me? It's a living out of our faith in God's promises. That's, that's important to remember. Now, speaking of the Ten Commandments, when God shares his heart and his will to his people in these Ten Commandments, it is no surprise that right smack dab in the middle of those commandments. There in Exodus 20, you find the Sabbath being enshrined there in the heart of his law. And did you know that that Sabbath commandment, the fourth, is the longest in text by far? And not only that, it is the only commandment. I'm going to repeat that. It is the only commandment that identifies God as creator. It is indeed a big deal. And if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 to 15, I'm going to ask you to go there with me. I told you we would use our Bibles, friends. I hope you're keeping up with me. Um, but I may need to speak a little bit slower. Because um, I have a tendency to speak fast. But anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 5, we have a, a, a second rendering of the Ten Commandments. And it's a little bit different. So I want, you, I want you to come with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to read through verse 15. And keep in mind what the, what the Exodus version says. This one is a little bit different, and it gives us a new perspective, a different perspective than Exodus does, especially in verse 15. But let's read from verse 12. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it... 
You shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servants may rest as well as you. So far, so good. So far, it's basically the same as the Exodus version. But check out verse number 15. And remember, says Moses, that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there. How? By a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to do what? To keep the Sabbath day. Amen? Are you seeing the link here? Sabbath day is redemption day. It's liberation day. I'm free from my sins. I'm free from my burdens. I rest in God's ability to save me. I'm not perfect yet, but if he says he'll be able to perfect each and every one of us if we keep abiding in him, guess what? I believe he's able. I believe he's faithful, and I believe he'll do it. That's why I keep the Sabbath. On the seventh day, because that's what he says, and that's the day that he chose to illustrate that Sabbath day is not just a holiday. It's not just a day off. It is God's holy day of rest. It is redemption day. You see, Sabbath is a big deal. I grew up in this wonderful church, not here in Battle Creek, but, you know, um, in other churches, but in the, as I grew up as a Seventh-day Adventist, and I heard all my life many, many sermons on the Sabbath as to how the Sabbath is important, how it's on the seventh day, how we should, if we love God, we should keep the Sabbath. And, you know, and I thought that I understood. Okay, so the Sabbath, but I didn't quite understand what was the big deal about it. Okay, it, it's, a, it's a day off from work and from school, and we go to church, and uh, we rest, we kind of re-energize, and we do a little bit of, you know, work for him or whatever. Okay, I, I, growing up as a child, I did not understand why it was such a big deal. Why, in these end times, is the Sabbath the line of demarcation, the line of separation between those who love God and those who don't? I didn't get that. Why choose the Sabbath to be that line of demarcation? Why? I want to suggest to you today, this is why. Because it's redemption day. Because it's Jesus is able day. That's what's illustrated in the Sabbath commandment. It's I believe in God's promises day. I believe that he is powerful day. That's what the Sabbath is all about. That's the big deal. You see, when we keep the Sabbath, we declare to the world, to the church, and to ourselves, to everybody, that God back there in creation, that's my God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, yep, that's my God. The God of Moses and who led Israel out of Egypt, mm-hmm, yep, that's my God. The God of Daniel, 
The God of Azariah, Mishael, and, and, and uh, Hananiah. Mm-hmm, yep, that's my God. The same Sabbath they kept, I keep. The same God in which they trust, I trust. The same God of Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, that's my God. That's what we declare when we keep the seventh-day Sabbath, as God says. It is not just a day off, friends. It is redemption day. It is an opportunity to live out our faith, to be a witness for God, to take God at his word. But let me just throw this in here while we're talking about Sabbath and Sabbath keeping. A little parenthesis. We need to be careful, friends, and I include this. I include myself and my family in this. We need to be careful as God's people to hold high our standard of Sabbath keeping. We need to hold it high. Sabbath keeping is not just going to church and then going home and doing whatever we want. We are called by God in his word, not just to remember the Sabbath, but to also keep it holy. We are to guard it as holy. We are to maintain the holiness of the Sabbath and the Lord of the Sabbath in our hearts and in our homes. Holy means something that is set apart, something different, something sacred. For example, we have counsel from God that we should usher in the holy hours on Friday night with song and praises on our lips, with prayer and our Bibles opened. And the same goes when we close the Sabbath. Friends, we cannot let our guard down on the Sabbath standards without doing serious damage to our faith and that of our families. And also, you know what? The Lord deserves better. He, he does not deserve some sloppy Sabbath keeping. Amen? What we do on the Sabbath hours, what we talk about on the Sabbath hours, it should be different than the other six days. What we look at on our phones on the Sabbath should be different. The activities that we embark on on the Sabbath should be of a faith-building, spiritual nature, not a secular one. The Sabbath isn't a day off so that we can be lazy, laying on our couches and our beds all day, looking at our phones or Facebook. The Sabbath is a holy day. It's not a day for working on our cars, to watch movies, clean our houses, or to visit restaurants. It's a day of special soul rest in which we have communion with God. And one more thing before I close this parenthesis, and again, this goes to me. Parents, parents, if we do not offer our children any appropriate Sabbath activities, of course they're going to want to play video games, watch TV, and play sports on the Sabbath if they have nothing else to do. Parents, let us be careful not to make Sabbath day boring day. We need to actually plan activities for our children on the Sabbath so it does not become boring day so that the Sabbath can actually be a delight um, to us and our children and they can learn to love and enjoy it. Amen? All right, I'm going to close that parenthesis. Back to our main message. 
I'm going to be wrapping up here in a couple of minutes. So the devil recognizes, friends, he's no dummy. He recognizes the deep significance of the Sabbath. He knows its value and importance in keeping us aligned with God's will, especially in these last days. And that's why he hates it. And that's why he tried to change it. Are you with me? And that's why he, he tries with all his effort to deceive the Christian world and the world at large. That the Sabbath, either it's whatever day I choose is Sabbath for me or one in seven, it's fine, whichever one. No, no, no. That's a lie of the devil. But he is intent on deceiving the world because he knows what Ezekiel 20 and verse 12 says when God says, moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign. What is a Sabbath? It's a sign between them and me that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Friends, God is calling us to take a stand. He's calling us to take a stand. The Bible says that he will have a people who take a stand for him, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like those early Christians who refused to offer even just a little bit of incense to, to, to the Roman gods, and they were thrown into the Colosseum. They were thrown into dungeons. They, 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 they were killed because they stood firm for God and wouldn't bow down to paganism. God is calling us to keep the right Sabbath, amen, and to keep the right Sabbath the right way. Amen? Isaiah 58 verse 12 says, it's a prophecy about you and me, friends, upon whom the light of God's truth has shined, it has shined upon us. It has signed upon us. Praise be to God. Um, Isaiah 58 verse 12 says, Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairers of the breach. There has been a breach made, friends, and God has called us, filled with his spirit, to repair that breach. The restorers, it says there, of streets to dwell in. But I know it's not easy to be faithful to God's commands always. But my encouragement to you is trust in the God of Moses. Trust in the God of Abraham. Trust in the God of Daniel. He did not fail them. He will not fail you. You may have some pressures in your workplace to compromise on a couple of Sabbaths um, a year or maybe to, to stay at work maybe one or two hours, maybe even half an hour past uh, sundown, and you know in your heart that is not pleasing to God, I want to invite you to trust God. He is able to see you through. Stand for him. Do not bow down under these Babylonian um, pressures that the devil throws at us, but let us stand firm for God, stand tall for God. Whether it's in school, you have a lot of school to do, and you feel like you can't take 24 hours off of your studies, I want to invite you to trust God. If God could see the, the, the three Hebrews through the furnace, that, that was a hot place. That was a hot, hot, hot temptation. But God saw them through that, and he can see you through whatever temptation, whether it's in, a, it's in the family or in the home. I want to encourage you to stand tall for God. Some years ago, I had a chance to meet um, a friend, an acquaintance, um, his name is Steve. We'll call him Steve in the island of Guam. And Steve, 
He has an amazing testimony I want to share with you as we close today. He was a business owner. He owned um, like a resort on the beach where you would, um, where tourists, especially from Japan, would come and they would um, rent uh, jet skis and little sailboats and and uh, he would have this section of beach that they would do like, you know, beach activities for the tourists who would come in from Asia. And, you know, he had a pretty large business. And he was a devout, devout Roman Catholic, um, as most of the island of Guam is. And one day, through uh, varying circumstances, he um, came to an evangelistic meeting in which the truth of God was being preached um, by a pastor, actually, who was here a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Louis Torres. Most of you know who he is. And that brother was listening, and he was struggling with some of the things, but then he heard about the Sabbath. Oh, and a deep conviction came upon his soul, um, but he was not quite ready to take a stand. He owed on his business, he owed several million dollars. He had several million dollars of debt. Um, his biggest day of business, guess what day it was? Of course, the Sabbath. Um, that's when, you know, ching, ching. That's when the money was rolling in. But he could not sleep at night just saying no to God because he was, he was a man true to convictions. And he knew this was the truth. The truth is the truth. Whether you like it or not, it's the truth. And he was wrestling with that. And um, he requested, he was so troubled that he requested an interview uh, and, and um, well, actually, what happened was uh, Pastor Torres wanted to visit him. And they got together and they talked because, you know, Pastor Torres knew that he was um, under conviction and he was struggling. Anyway, Steve told him, Pastor, I know what the Bible says, but I owe several million dollars to, to these banks. Doesn't God want me to pay back the debt? Wouldn't it be unfaithful to God to, to, to go bad on the debts? Um, Pastor Torres told him, trust in God. He will see you through. He will not fail you. Oh, but pastor, my employees and this, all the excuses, Steve threw it out there. And the encouragement was trust in God. Stand for him. He will not let you down. So one day, so, so he decided to make a commitment. He, he got on his knees. He prayed, Lord, I'm going to do this. The whole island of Guam is going to laugh at me. They're going to think I went cuckoo, cuckoo. But I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it for you. So you know what he did? He went to Japan and he made some special arrangements. And he told the tourists over there, the tourist companies, I can't receive anybody on Sabbath anymore, on Saturdays or Friday nights. They were like, what? All the tourists basically came on a weekend package. It was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then they flew back to Japan or to, to, to China or wherever they went back. So basically, humanly speaking, if he lost his satellite customers, he lost all his customers. But he pressed forward. God would not let him down, and he clung to that promise. And he closed his business that first Sabbath. He tells a story that that first Sabbath, it was pouring rain. So his jet ski business was closed and every other business was closed because it was raining so much. Friends, for six months straight, it rained on Guam, pouring on Sabbaths. So he wasn't falling behind anybody. The competition didn't have an advantage over him. And not only that, the customers were requesting his business, even though the business agents over there in Japan were saying, this guy is not convenient because it's not a whole weekend thing. They were like, no, we want him. 
And those guys in Japan had to make arrangements to send their customers to Steve's business. Friends, in a couple of years, those million dollars of debt, it was paid off. Those jet skis lasted longer. Those employees got to rest one day out of the week, and they were happier. His business flourished. Friends, he stood upon God's promises. And today I want to encourage you to stand upon God's promises and to keep his Sabbath day holy, the seventh day, as he has said. Now, I want to I close here today by asking, is there anybody here who this message may be new to? You may have never even kept the Sabbath. You may have barely even heard of the Sabbath. But you want to say today, yes, I believe it. I see it from the word of God. I believe it. I want to follow it. Is there anybody here who has not kept the Sabbath before who wants to start keeping God's Sabbath? Could you just raise your hand? You say, God, I hear your message. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but you're calling me, and I'm going to do it by your grace. I want to keep the Sabbath. Is there anybody here who wants to join uh, the Sabbath-keeping people of God by keeping Sabbath? Is there anybody here? Praise be to God. Now, second appeal for those of us who are Sabbath keepers. How many of us want to tell God, God, I recognize that I can, that I Perhaps I haven't understood, but I want to cherish more your Sabbath, your holy Sabbath day. Could we raise our hands? And I, I raise my hands for that one. Lord, help me to cherish your Sabbath day. Amen. Praise God, friends. Praise God. Let's sing this closing song. Okay, I think we, I think we got a singer um, for this closing song. If not, I'm going to sing it. Um, but I think Becky, uh, Sister Becky figured it out because uh, it's not that known among, among um, some of us. But it talks about the Sabbath. And I want us to sing it with our mouths open with, with, with gusto because we are proclaiming God's sign, God's monument by singing. And then we're going to close this worship service by praying. Sister Becky, thank you so much. Um, please stand with me. We're going to sing 384 safely through another week.
Amen. Let's pray, church family. Father, may the gospel's joyful sound conquer sinners, comfort saints. May the fruits of grace abound, bring relief to all complaints. Thus may all our Sabbaths be till we rise to reign with thee. Thus may all our Sabbaths be, Lord, till we rise to reign with thee. Father, please make this Sabbath a special blessing for us as we remember it and keep it holy as you have instructed us. Thank you so much. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.